Well, hello, everybody. Uh, I'll just hook myself back together again. There's a wardrobe malfunction, isn't it? That's what they say on Strictly. <laughs> well, well, not quite, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I'll be doing a little rumba now. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got to kneel down for this, have I? <laughs> Let's just see. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Stuart, and um, I just uh, I just want to give a little testimony. Really, God's God's been really good. Just preparing uh, this uh, this this preach this morning. Uh, we're in two Thessalonians this morning, chapter one. If you want to be looking that up, and um, just a real sense during the week of God speaking. And uh, uh, I, I follow a, a sort of Bible reading pattern. I get through the Bible uh, in the year and um, through the New Testament twice. And just been a couple of really appropriate scriptures uh, for this morning's preach from the Old Testament. And we'll, we'll come to those in a bit. Uh, just a sense of God kind of preparing for, for this morning. And uh, then we were praying here yesterday. Uh, and a real sense of God speaking there about uh, the, the direction for this uh, this morning and for the preach, and then um, then Beth's testimony, lovely uh, testimony uh, from Beth about how God had gone before them uh, so wonderfully and how they had uh, prayed into that once they'd heard that word shared here a couple of weeks ago, and that's really apposite for uh, for this morning's preach as well. So. Uh, just the way things have just come together in God's providence uh, for this morning's preach, really, uh, really helpful to me, but I, I trust will be a blessing to you. So we're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We, we've, uh, we've got past the first letter, and uh, we'll, we'll read the scripture first, and uh, then I'll pray. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy are writing, To the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes us. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word here in the scripture. 
Thank you for setting it before us. It's 2,000 years old, and yet it still speaks freshly to us today. And I pray that that may be the case, that we may draw encouragement, that we may be stirred by your word today, that we may be blessed by it, that we may go out feeling that we've been fed as we've looked at your words, and that we are encouraged to share it with others, particularly in this season running up to Christmas. So, Father, help us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just by way of introduction, um, the commentators think that this letter was uh, written just a few weeks after 1 Thessalonians. So um, it's a bit conversational in style because Paul is uh, he's kind of following up. Uh, he, he'd written to them his first letter, which had in turn had been only a few weeks after his visit there. He'd, he'd been run out of town, a uh, bit of a riot, and he had to leave. And um, uh, so then when he got to Corinth, he, he sends a letter back to them uh, and, uh, and, and writes... Uh, writes to encourage them. And then it sounds like he gets a reply back, and uh, here's, here's a little bit about how things have been going since his uh, first letter was received. And um, so he writes again. And uh, uh, it's not the kind of instant text messaging or uh, emailing that we might do today or on WhatsApp or Instagram. This is, this is taking a little while. So he's in Corinth, they're in Thessalonica, um, they're about 480 kilometers apart, uh, and uh, of course, no cars, no planes, so you have to walk if you want to go there, or maybe get a horse. And if you're walking, taking a, a letter, uh, it's a kind of 10-day walk, 480 kilometers, depends how fast you walk, I guess, but uh, uh, it's about three weeks anyway to get a, a round trip. So uh, it sounds as though, you know, he sent a letter, uh, they've sat down, read it to the church, and um, some news comes back, and he writes them a second letter. And this, this ch- exchange has a sort of three-week cycle, so uh, much less instantaneous than we would be used to today. But nevertheless, you get this kind of uh, immediacy, this feel of a conversation going on between them. Uh, news is passing, and um, uh, it's, uh, it's nice. When I was a kid, I would be encouraged to write to my grandparents uh, every week. You know, you'd sit down on a Sunday afternoon, oh, I've got to write a letter. But Paul, is, there's no sense of reluctance here. He's, he's wanting to, to, to hear from them. He wants to encourage them. So, so he writes, and uh, it, it feels a bit like a sort of conversation taking place. And uh, he's encouraging the church. So he's commenting on the persecution and trials that they've continued to experience since he left town. Things have obviously uh, not become easier. Uh, they're still getting uh, pressure from uh, those who opposed the message of the gospel uh, in Thessalonica. He'd gone off to Berea, where he'd got a slightly more uh, relaxed reception, and people considered what he had to say. Uh, uh, but we don't hear, oddly, we don't hear of a church in Berea, do we? Uh, we, you know, we don't know what happened there, but we do know there was this little infant church in Thessalonica. And although they're suffering some, some oppression, some, some pushback from the locals who were opposed to the gospel, uh, they're still going, and Paul is thrilled by hearing this, that they haven't crumbled under the opposition that uh, they've been receiving. So he encourages them, and he comments on their, uh, their resilience and their faith in verse 4. So in verse 4 he says, uh, we boast about your perseverance and your faith in all the persecutions and uh, the trials that you're enduring. Because uh, he's just said, your faith is growing more and more. So instead of uh, shrinking and being crushed by the difficulties that they're facing, 
somehow these difficulties are causing their faith to grow. And Paul writes to encourage them on this score and say, you're doing the right thing. Dig into God and uh, you, you'll find that your faith grows. And uh, Paul had prayed for this. If we look in the first letter, back in 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10, we see that he'd been praying. He says, night and day we pray most earnest, earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. He's encouraged uh, to, to pray for their faith. And here's an answer to prayer for him which must be so encouraging. You know, he, he's got to wait three weeks. Is, is this church still going? Uh, is, it, is it still happening? Has, has the deposit that I've left there produced any fruit? And he has to wait three weeks for his answer to come back. And yes, it is. And he's so encouraged. And he says, I prayed for this, that your faith would be resilient and would grow. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm so pleased that I've had an answer to this prayer in the form of uh, uh, this news about your, your faith holding out and growing. And we'll come back to this subject of answered prayer in a moment. So what's he been praying for? And what's he got? He's been praying for their faith. And faith is described in uh, Hebrews 11.1 as confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. And uh, the new Christians at Thessalonica hadn't met Jesus as far as we know. There may have been some who'd been in Palestine at the time Jesus was there, but uh, we, we don't hear that. But uh, they've believed that what Paul has told them about the gospel. They haven't, they haven't seen it with their own eyes necessarily, but they've believed it. So they've, they've got faith. They've got this kernel of faith, this germ of faith, uh, which they're holding on to. And they believe it sufficiently strongly to put up with some pushback and perseverance, uh, persevere through it. So uh, Paul is encouraged. And uh, they've, been, they've been holding on. Uh, this, this little, he was only there for two or three weeks, we think. We saw that at the start of 1 Thessalonians. So he didn't have a lot of time to share with them. But it just, it just reminds us that the gospel that we share is powerful. Paul says in, in, in Romans 1 verse 16, it's the power of God unto salvation. So if we share the gospel, we're, we're not just like having a conversation which people will forget the next minute. What we're sharing is something of eternal value, something which is potent and powerful, which is really going to uh, stir the hearts of some of it. It won't stir everybody that we share it with, but for those who uh, are being saved, it's, it's the word of life. And so we'll come back to this in a moment as well, uh, the urgency of sharing the gospel. But Paul has shared it with this little group. He spent uh, maybe three weeks actually in Thessalonica before he was run out of town. He had three Sabbaths there, sharing at the synagogue, and uh, then uh, he had to leave. But he, he did enough in that time uh, with the gospel that he had to transform the lives of this group of believers there. So the power of God's at work in the Thessalonians. First to cause the gospel to spring to life in their hearts and minds, and then to cause faith to, to take root and grow and develop and become resilient in their lives. Now, this faith is, is not a static thing. Paul uh, describes it as something which is growing. He says in, in verse 3, your faith is growing more and more. So if, if we just receive the gospel, I mean, I, I became a Christian, uh, a friend of mine who was a solicitor in Plymouth. Uh, when, I, when I started uh, doing my training, um, I had a seat with him for six months, and uh, so he shared the gospel with me. And I'd known about uh, church and the Bible stories all my life. I'd grown up with them, part of the wallpaper at school and in assemblies. Uh, my, my grandparents were Baptists, and so I'd grown up with all this stuff, but I hadn't, I hadn't understood the gospel. It hadn't 
occurred to me what it was that Jesus had died on the cross to pay the price for my sin so that I could have life. That's the gospel, isn't it? And I hadn't got that at all. I'd, I'd understood that Jesus had died on the cross and that he'd risen again, but I hadn't understood the importance of that for myself. So this friend just shared that very simply with me. And, uh, and I went up onto uh, Plymouth Hoe. Uh, if you know Plymouth, there's a, a big um, uh, area of water called the Sound, uh, which opens out towards the sea. And um, on the shore, uh, there's a, a, a citadel which dates back to uh, the time of the Civil War. And uh, uh, there's a sort of big bank of earth in front of that down to a road which runs around the hoe. So I went up and sat on this bank of earth overlooking the hoe. It was about this time of year, actually. It was a Wednesday evening in November, and it was, it was a bit cold. But uh, I gave my heart to the Lord there, sitting, uh, sitting on the, uh, this bank of earth overlooking the hoe. Now, if, if that was all that happened, and I did nothing more about that transaction with Jesus, my faith would have withered and, and shriveled up and died. But my friend also said to me, why don't you come along to church? And uh, I'd been going to a little Anglican church. I'd, I'd been at law college um, before my training. I'd been at law college in Chester. Uh, you had to go for a year to law college after uni in those days. And um, I'd been going to a little Anglican church there, and it, it was lovely. At the end of the year, they said to me, we'll miss you, you've been a good attender. And <laughs> I thought, oh, <laughs> well, so I touched, you know. Um, uh, that, that's... I, I'm, Sort of, uh, I'm sorry you're going to miss me, but it, I thought there must be more to this than you know, just being a good attender. Anyway, uh, I, I couldn't go the first week when I got to Plymouth. I couldn't go to uh, this friend's church, but I did then start going. And uh, that, that nurtured my faith because I heard people preaching, opening the word of God, and my faith began to grow and to be encouraged. And uh, in due course, Lynn's family, uh, Lynn's my wife, she's out with the Twinklers at the moment, uh, Lynn's family uh, were there in the church, and um, Lynn was away nursing. And uh, anyway, I met her in due course, and uh, we got married. The rest is history. Been married 38 years now, so uh, I was really blessed in that place. But my faith began to grow. It's a place where my faith was nurtured, and where I was encouraged. And how does our faith grow? Well, uh, it grows because we encourage one another. And uh, so, so Beth's beautiful story this morning about how the word of God had come had, had really planted faith in their hearts that this wasn't uh, insoluble, this problem of where to live, but that there would be, God has gone before them and, and will make a way for them. That, that's just so precious. And our hearing that story it's just a wonderful encouragement. I'm envious. I want to be out there with the radio guys hearing the full story. And that will encourage us. I would encourage you, ask Beth and Jamie about that story. Maybe you, know, you won't have time to have the whole thing, but maybe over lunch, just ask, tell me, tell me more. You know, what happens? Because there's, a, there's some little nuggets of, of, of real blessing there, of God's providence in that. I was, I was hearing this morning talking to Ben about... Uh, about uh, their plans for the future. God's providence in that. God's gone before them and made a way. And there are others here I know who've had answers to prayer even this week. And we can share those things and encourage one another and stir up faith. And that faith comes from fellowship. One of the scriptures I was reading this week is in Amos, a little Old Testament book, a prophet. He's a shepherd, a simple guy. 
Amos chapter 3 verse 7 says, God does nothing without revealing it first to his servants, the prophets. So God gives us faith. So God's given faith in these last weeks to Beth and Jamie that he was going to do something for them. So they prayed into that and wow, God's come through. And God nudges us in advance. If we're listening, if we're attentive, if we're listening to one another, hearing what God's saying, then our faith is stirred up and wonderfully uh, encouraged and, and it grows. And we, we find ourselves then in a position to share some wonderful stories with other people about what God's done for us. So get into the word of God. If you want to hear uh, uh, words of faith, they're here in the scripture. Uh, Romans uh, says to us, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of Christ. That's this, the, the Bible. And if somebody comes to us and says, you know, I've got a great testimony, that's so encouraging. That testimony originated in a word from the scripture that just resonated. That's for me today. That's my word today. And so they prayed into it. They appropriated that in faith and said, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm trusting you for this. And God came through and built up uh, faith in them and uh, incidentally in us too, which is, which is so beautiful. And we need to be digging into the Word. So there's, there's scriptures about this, but an example is Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law, on his words, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Its leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do prospers. And that's what I want for us, dear brothers and sisters, that we would be in the word of God, being fed by it and nurtured by it, finding our faith growing, being encouraged, sharing stories that encourage one another. Let me encourage you, if you've got a story that, uh, that encourages uh, folks, share it over lunch today. Let's build up one another's faith as we hear these stories of God's providence, his action, his speaking to us and then delivering. They're so encouraging. Now, the, the next thing I wanted to pick out, there, there are three things. There are always three things, aren't there, in a preach? So uh, the first thing is about how our faith grows. And the second is uh, this bit in the middle of the book, of the, of the chapter here, about um, punishment for those who don't know God and who don't obey the gospel. So Paul is, is saying uh, this to encourage the Thessalonians. And um, he's, uh, he's talking about some some heavy-duty stuff here. It's, it's, it's not just a slap on the wrist for those uh, who are not uh, amongst those who know Jesus. But it's, uh, it's a word that says for them there's no, there's no hope, there's no, no blessing, no uh, reason for encouragement. So this is a, a bit of a consolation for the, for the Thessalonians. They're, they're being oppressed by some of their neighbors. And Paul is saying, don't worry about it, they'll get theirs in due course. But he contrasts that with the blessing that awaits those who have put their trust in Jesus. And he's encouraging them in this because he's saying, well, if things may be tough for a season, they will get better. There's a beautiful future ahead, a glorious hope in Jesus. And we can have confidence in that hope. And part of that is that those who've been oppressing you won't be there. 
but a part of it is that there's this wonderful blessing for us of being in the presence of the Lord. And he says, in the meantime, elsewhere, he says, for example, in Romans 5, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. He's commended them for that already. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope or faith. And so he's saying that this, this kind of pressure cooker that you're in at the moment, it, it feels uncomfortable, but those who are applying the pressure uh, will be the subject of judgment in due course. But for you, hold on to the hope that you have. Hold on uh, in faith to what you have. And in Romans 8, he says, I consider our present sufferings not worth comparing with the glory that we, uh, will, be, will be revealed to us. We're waiting in eager anticipation for this. Suffering is sometimes a part of being in Christ. Things are difficult. They're not always easy. And you know, for us uh, here in, in Britain, uh, we barely know uh, the, the meaning of suffering most of the time. Uh, we have a very comfortable lifestyle. But uh, for some around the world, being in Christ means real oppression, means persecution. And just in passing, it's great to pray for those brothers and sisters who are being oppressed like that, that they hold on to this wonderful hope that Paul was commending to the Thessalonians. So it's hard. It's, it's difficult, but, but we're encouraged to uh, rejoice because in sharing in this suffering, uh, we're somehow sharing in what Christ experienced. Paul writes to the Philippians just down the road from the Thessalonians, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, but also participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Suffering is a part of the road. Difficulty is a part of the road. If we're sharing the gospel, sometimes we'll get some pushback, and that suffering, that, that experience of persecution, although it may be mild in our experience, uh, is, is not something to try to avoid. No, the better thing is to share the gospel, and if that produces some uh, pushback, well, so be it. Peter says the same thing, don't be, don't be surprised at what's happening. But uh, you'll be overjoyed. If you participated in the sufferings of Christ, you'll be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So uh, suffering fuels our faith. It, it's a bit of a pressure cooker. That pressure uh, produces diamonds, produces some, some, some beautiful jewels amongst us. If... Beth and Jamie had uh, had a, a smooth transaction with the sale of their house and walked straight into their new house. There wouldn't have been that little encouragement that we've heard this morning. That little nugget of blessing has come out of difficulty for them and a little anxiety. But they put that aside and trusted in God. And out of that has come a beautiful story of faith being rewarded by God's providence and provision. So suffering fuels our faith and we find it sharpened and growing and developed as it is put to the test and as it is shared with others uh, so that uh, faith encourages them. We might pause and think, what about those who are doing the persecuting? And... Um, Paul isn't putting this stuff here about uh, separation and loss. Um, 
and destruction, being shut out from the presence of the Lord. He's not putting that there to say, you know, aha, uh, to these people, you know, uh, you're going to lose. I've seen the end of the book and you, you lose. He's putting this here partly to contrast the glory of Jesus with what their experience will be and partly to encourage us to share the gospel with them. So let's think about the glory of Jesus. We, you know, we see some beautiful things in creation around us, but we don't generally have uh, personal visions of the risen Lord in all his glory. But we see some in the scripture again. It's all here, and this fuels our faith. And so we can look in uh, Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Revelation, and uh, I, I, again, um, just reading through sequentially, I, I came, came to Daniel a few weeks before Amos. And um, uh, so I'll just read a little bit from, from Daniel chapter 7. And this gives us a flavor of, of uh, what it is that it will be like to, uh, to be in the presence of uh, the Lord. And uh, he says in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, as I looked... Thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him court was seated and the books were opened. There's this tremendous glorious picture of Jesus in majesty and we see this in Revelation, we see it in Isaiah, we see it in Ezekiel. We just have a sense here, just a, a thrilling sense of the glorious majesty and power and capacity of God and we are encouraged by this. That is our hope, that we will spend eternity amongst those thousands upon thousands worshipping God. Just being blessed by being in his presence. And the contrast is that some will not find themselves in that place. And beloved, our, our job as the family of God, those who have been called, is to extend that call to others. And we know not everybody will respond but we do not want to come to that seat of judgment where the books are opened. For God said, why didn't you tell some neighbors about Jesus? These people might have been saved if you'd shared the gospel with them. This is not to bring any conviction or condemnation on anybody, but it's just an encouragement, beloved, to be sharing the gospel with uh, friends, with neighbors, with colleagues at work, because the contrast between our gain and the loss that those who do not know Jesus will suffer is so immense that if we know the love of God, we'll want that to be shared with them. We want them to share in that gain, to share in that future blessing. So uh, be encouraged. And what is, what is the gospel that we're sharing? It's really simple, isn't it? We've heard it already this morning from Ben. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. In some amazing way, we share in the righteousness of Jesus. This is, this is 
immense. It's not what we deserve. It's the grace of God. But we, we share in the righteousness that Christ displays. And we are found in Christ. And when God looks upon us, he sees Jesus. And that is why at the end of the book, it's able to say, Paul's able to say, uh, we pray this so the name of Jesus may be glorified and you in him. In other words, that we'll share in that glory in a wonderful way. And that's the gospel. We're holding out that offer to uh, people who don't know Jesus. And so let's be encouraged to go again where we've shared the gospel. Just say, it's coming up to Christmas. Do you want to come to a service? Hear about what Jesus did. Uh, There's an opportunity at this time of year which uh, may be a bit easier than at some other times. Come and hear the gospel. Let me tell you the gospel. And then lastly, prayer. Now, uh, Paul encourages them. He says he's praying constantly for them. It's so encouraging, isn't it, to know that people are praying for us. My father-in-law is a great prayer, uh, Lynn's dad, and uh, he he prays for his whole family. He's got six children, so it's quite a big family now. Uh, There are grandchildren, about 15. Now there are great-grandchildren. So it's getting quite a long list to pray for. But he prays for us, and Lynn's mum does too, and others pray for us, and I know we pray uh, for one another. And Paul is encouraged by this because he's already received an answer to prayer. He's prayed for their faith to be growing, and he says, that's what I hear in the letter. Great answer to prayer. I hear your faith is growing, and you're, uh, you're standing in perseverance in the gospel. And uh, he, he's received this answer. So we've, we've received some answers this week. Uh, You'll be able to share them over lunch if you haven't shared them already. But uh, Jamie and Beth's house, such a great example of, uh, of just holding on in prayer. God, you've given us this word. We're holding on. We're praying. And look, it's often at the last minute. You know, they, they've only got you know, a matter of days almost before needing to be out of their house. And, and often that's the way with God. You know, he takes it down to the wire and it looks all a bit hopeless. You know, Jesus dies on the cross for us and it's raised to life again three days later. God had promised that. Jesus was trusting that that would happen. He was in faith, but it looks a bit bleak, doesn't it? It looks bleak for the Israelites as they come out of Egypt and come to the Red Sea. Oh, no way forward. The the, the Egyptians are behind us. What do we do? God says, come on, you know, put your trust in me. And the water opens. There's a way through for us. But it's often at the last minute, at the moment where things look desperate, don't give up hope. Continue to trust. Continue to pray. We're a, a, a church of some 400, aren't we, uh, meeting on, on three sites at Mark Cross and the city centre. And I know there's prayer going on all through the week. On Wednesday morning, I pray with uh, uh, one or two on, on, on a Wednesday morning, uh, first thing. On Friday morning, uh, there's a dozen or so faithful people who gather every Friday. have been doing it for years, uh, 6.30 to 7.30, praying for the church and for our city and, uh, uh, and for us. Yesterday morning, a dozen or so of us got together here in this room to pray for us this morning uh, and to, to pray for the church family. And why do we do this? Well, the answer is God answers prayer. You know, we, we've seen that in the scripture here in Thessalonians. Uh, Paul uh, gets an answer to his prayer. It takes him, he's got to wait three weeks to find out what's going on but he gets his answer and God's answered that prayer God answers our prayers here we've heard that this morning and so we can be encouraged 
uh, to pray for what's going on here at City West uh, in this part of the city, the, the Lockman Estate and uh, this western side of the city. And why are we praying? Because we want to see Jesus glorified. And that's what uh, came out yesterday morning as we were praying, that uh, it's not about us. It's not about, even about us being blessed or getting an answer to prayer, uh, great though that is, and uh, encouraging though that is. It's about Jesus being glorified here. And as we, as we share the scripture here and see how Paul and the Thessalonians were digging in in prayer and holding on against persecution, Jesus is glorified. And that's, that, that's what he's celebrating at the end here. He says, why are we doing this? We pray so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, you Thessalonians. You may feel small, you may feel weak, you may feel under pressure, but Jesus is being glorified. And it wasn't just then, it's still happening 2,000 years later because we're sharing this story today and Jesus is glorified because prayer is answered here and they've got this great hope in Jesus that they're holding on to and sharing with others so that the church will grow. And amazingly, amazingly, we share in this glory because Paul says, Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. So there's this wonderful hope that we have that we will find ourselves sharing in that glory in Christ will be part of that throng of worshippers. But that, that glory is there only because there are worshippers. And God could have created a load of angels to worship him, but he wanted people who'd chosen to do so, beloved. And that's, that's us, that's others around the world over the ages who have chosen to put their trust in Jesus and to hold on to it and to pray and to pray for others to come to that place of knowing Jesus so that he might be glorified in them too. So let's encourage one another in these days. Let's see our faith growing. Let's see uh, our faith developing and being shared with one another. Let's, let's think about that stark alternative between uh, life in Christ and uh, ending without knowing him and use that as an encouragement to share the gospel with others around us. And let's dig in in prayer to all that God has for us because he answers prayer. He wants to see us grow. He wants to see this little church thrive. He wants to see people in this estate saved. He wants our friends and family to know Jesus or to come back to Jesus where they've wandered away. So let's be encouraged. Let's hold on in prayer to, uh, to Jesus because he'll be glorified as we do this. And amazingly, we'll find ourselves sharing in that glory. Amen. Maybe if uh, Ed and... Uh, Karish could come up and uh, lead us again. Let's just pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your lively word to us now, bringing fresh encouragement, bringing the scripture to life for us. Uh, thank you for that word a couple of weeks ago, which encouraged Jamie and Beth so much. Thank you for building faith in us and nurturing and growing it and blessing us as a church family. Father, thank you. Lord, would you help us in these days to share the gospel with folks who need to hear it. Help us to glorify Jesus as we do so. Even as we have lunch together now, I pray Jesus may be glorified as we do that, as we share little stories of answered prayer, of God's providence, of his provision, maybe even of things that we're praying for and haven't yet received. I pray that you would help us, Father, to glorify Jesus in that. And that we'll have a great time of fellowship together too.
And Father, I pray you'd encourage us to be praying. Thank you for uh, the dozens who pray. Thank you for the prayer that goes on in the week here. Ones and twos and threes gathering together to pray and blessing you, glorifying you in the process. Father, would you have your way amongst us? Would you uh, see your kingdom come here, I pray, as we seek to do your will, as your gathered church family. In Jesus' name, amen.